Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and you are on Get Your Kids Back Now. It is a live talk radio show that is actually broadcast nationwide, and we talk to people about their experience with CPS social workers, child protective services social workers, and uh, they're known as different things, sometimes DCFS social workers. Uh, Here in Los Angeles County, they're known as Department of Children and Family Service social workers. Um, There are a couple things that I like to start and end the show with every week. And the first thing that I want to tell you is that if you're involved with a CPS case, either as a parent, a family member, a relative, or a person who is a close family member, um, you want to make sure that you get experienced and expert legal help. This is a very specialized area of the law in each state. And here in California, uh, it is no different. Um, If you are a parent and you have a court-appointed attorney, or you have a private attorney because you've gone out and hired someone to represent you, please work with that attorney. That attorney has the experience and education necessary to represent you in these types of cases. If you feel uncomfortable with your attorney, you can get a second opinion. Give us a call and get a second opinion. The second thing you have to do is you have to get the necessary information um, regarding these types of cases because a lot of things that happen in juvenile dependency courts are counterintuitive. So one of the ways that you can get um, educated about this process is you can just go online and you can Google things. Google does know all. You can download my free ebook that I wrote for parents and relatives uh, at our website. Um, you can go to www.talkradioexperts.com and you can download a copy of that book. You can make sure you have a meeting with your attorney, either the private attorney you hired or make sure that you have a meeting with your court-appointed attorney before any of the court hearings. You must meet with your attorney before the hearing, not the day of the hearing, not five minutes before the hearing. You can also come to our live seminar that we give every month. Uh, This month, I believe, the seminar is on February 27th, which is a Saturday. It goes from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., and I think this month we're doing it in the city of Monrovia, California. You can also listen to our past shows. The other thing that I'll be talking about at the end of the show, hopefully I'll have time, is the other thing you have to do is you have to vote. In California, judges are elected or appointed, but if they're appointed, they must face re-election. Vote for judges who are family-friendly. The other thing that you can do is you can vote and you can elect state legislators who can change laws change laws that affect these juvenile dependency cases. You want to vote for family-friendly state legislators. One of the things uh, rights that some people in other states enjoy is that you have the right to a jury trial in these types of cases. In California, we don't have that right to a jury trial in juvenile dependency. So that's the other thing that you can vote and you can um, help change and and get people to have these cases decided by a jury of their peers, not by a judge who makes decisions by him or herself. We'll talk about more about that at the end of the radio show. Um, right now the board is lighting up, so I'm going to take the first call. Um, it's area code 951, and it ends in 67. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Mr. Davis? I'm doing fine. How are you this morning? I'm fine. It's clear in about uh, 65 degrees where I am. The weather's beautiful. Did you call today to ask a question or to share a story? 
to share a story? Go ahead. Um, well, my name is Miss Lynn, and I have an 18-month-old son, and he was taken from me at um, three days old and placed with my mother. And I struggled with trying to figure out how to get him back to me. The courts had ordered me to do um, parenting and counseling and all these other resources that I went through. And every time they told me that if you did these, we'll bring you, we'll give your son back to you. I had been going through it for uh, a year and 18 months. And then I had finally, they finally tried to adopt him out. And I didn't understand why he was trying, they were trying to adopt him out. Because in my eyes, I thought I did everything that they asked to the fullest of my ability, and I never got resources from the DCFS worker. I never got resources from anybody, and they just made it harder for me to um, meet the qualifications that they wanted. So I had had visitation with him. On my last year in December was the first time I got um, ordered unmonitored visits after in seven months. And I was wondering why would they take me through all these things to reunify me and my son and then, but the, but the fact of it is that's not trying to reunify me and my son, they're trying to adopt him out because they don't think I'm a fit parent. Instead of letting me care for my kid and see if I am because they automatically said I was a bad mother or unfit mother when he was born, when you can't determine that. So I was asking, I'm gonna, I'm asking you, how will I be able to work and get my son back when it's on a contested case? Okay, well, let me ask you a couple of questions because you indicated initially that um, they were trying to adopt your child out. Have they terminated your uh, family reunification services? No, they did not. Okay, so you're still receiving family reunification services from uh, the department, correct? Yes. Okay. And how many, um, what type of reunification services has the judge ordered you to participate in in order to get your child back? I was supposed, I was supposed to do parenting, get off conservatorship. I was supposed to get out of my, I was supposed to get out of my mom's house because she said she wasn't fit for my son to be there. They weren't going to give him back when I went to my mom's house. So I got out and I got my own apartment. And um, then they asked me to do individual counseling and medication management, which I did all of those. Okay, so you said individual counseling and medication management. Did they ask you to do parenting? Yes, and I completed it. Okay, so just three things. Now, you said you were going to have a contest, so I, I assume there's going to be a trial to in order to get your child back. So what you would want to make sure that you do at this trial is that you bring in the social worker. You put the social worker on the stand, and you have your, um, your attorney cross-examine the social worker. The next thing that you want to do is you want to bring in all of your service providers so in your case, that would be a parenting instructor, your individual counselor, <clears throat> and your psychiatrist or psychologist, whoever was uh, managing your medication, so that they can come in and explain to the court how you've completed the services, how you've done very well with the services, and you would not be a risk to your child. So that is the way that you want to win your case and get your child back. When is your next court date? It's in April, April 6th. Okay, so you have plenty of time to get that together. Um, are you currently having visitation with your child? Yes, I am. I have visitation with on Mondays and Fridays and Wednesday unmonitored for three hours. Oh, you have unmonitored visits? Yeah, huh? You have unmonitored visits? 
Yeah, I have unmonitored visits on Wednesday, and I have Monday and, and Friday monitored. Well, when you have unmonitored visits, that's that's one of the first steps towards returning the child to you. So that is a very good thing. I want to thank uh, you for calling in this. I want to thank you for calling in this morning and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, that that caller seemed to have a lot of background noise, and I was getting uh, messages from my technical person that we were having a lot of uh, static and background noise. Um, if you are listening to us and we, we take your call, please make sure that um, you don't have any noise in the background or you're not listening to yourself on the radio because there is a delay and it will reverb through our system. Okay, I'm going to take another caller, uh, area code... Five six two ending in four eight. Good morning, you're on with attorney Vincent Davis. I'm sorry, uh, area code six one nine ending in four four. Good morning, um, you're on with attorney. Good morning, attorney Davis. Good morning, how are you? I'm doing okay. Did you call this morning to share a story or to ask us a question? Uh, to share a story. Go ahead and tell us. All right. Uh, just to a uh, quick rundown on how uh, CPS got involved uh, with my son. Uh, my son was taken away from my home by my mother, who was temporarily staying with us on February 12. Uh, just to share, while I was admitted at a hospital, uh, she then dropped off my son to his brother's house, which is, lives a couple miles away from my house, and she went home with her living boyfriend who lives, they live about an hour and a half away from us. At this time, I did not know that my mother dropped him off at my uncle's house when I was released at the hospital the following day at 5 a.m. I thought my mother brought my son with her, and I did call her and ask him to bring him back because he needs to go to school the following week. Uh, Then she went ahead and let me know that my son is with my uncle, but try not to pick him up and let everybody calm down first. Uh, this time, I was very confused why everybody needs to calm down. Uh, my uncle requested my wife to have a face-to-face meeting with them. Um, my other aunt and my son to try to figure out the entire situation. Uh, after my wife came back uh, meeting with them, my wife told me that my my son, my 14-year-old son, is claiming that I have been physically abusing him and my mother is telling him that it's not safe for him to live with me. Uh, And at this time, I found out that she's been talking to his biological mother and she's willing to take him in. Uh, Just a quick story about that. I I was awarded by the court full legal and physical custody back in 2008 with my ex-wife having supervised visitation for two hours every Sunday. Uh, that lasted for two years until she stopped coming to the visitation and we just completely lost contact with her. Uh, My uncle told me to come over the following Monday to try to convince my son to come home. So I went there Monday afternoon. I spoke to my son, and he keeps repeating that he does not feel safe to come home at the house, and my mother and now my sister is telling him that it's not safe for him to stay with us at my house. So later that afternoon, I spoke to my wife, and we kind of had to make a hard decision of maybe we should let my son visit his his biological mother and for him to kind of stop acting up uh, all this stuff with the constant lying, making up stories, and failing at school. Uh, At that time, I received a phone call from my sister. Uh, She's being hysterical, saying, that the police dropped off my son and released custody to them. And the CPS is now involved because uh, of my son claiming that I am physically abusing him. Um, they also told us that per the CPS and police instruction to take my wife's name and my name um, off the school pickup list and to not not have any contact with my son. Um I called my uncle to find out what happened because I was just speaking to my son a couple of hours before my sister called me. 
and my uncle told me that he told my son that he needs to come home and he cannot have him stay at his house, so he needs to call his grandmother and figure out what she wants to do. Um, and he told me that my sister picked up my son, not the police, at his house. Um, at that time, I, we started looking for lawyers that specialize on child dependency, and that's when I actually come across uh, a, cure, um, a cure firm. So I actually I spoke to somebody at your firm, and we did sign the paperwork um, retaining your law firm to represent us. Um, after I spoke to the person on your firm, I you received a visit from protective service worker on Wednesday of last week, and uh, we told her that um, we would not say anything unless we consult with a lawyer. And at this time, I she asked if we have any concern. And I told her that I'm just concerned that my son is not taking his ADHD medication and if she can take the medication to him. And at that time, she declined because she told us that she can't handle any medication and I should contact my sister in regard of getting my kid's medication to him. Uh, she gave us her card and told us to contact her after we consult with a lawyer. Um, I actually have a phone con conference with you yesterday uh, Talking to you and the social worker supervisor, I believe it was it was yesterday afternoon, and um, the supervisor told us that they're still investigating my case and there's no current court date. So you actually advised me to pick up my son and try to bring the uh, to bring the police with me when I pick him up. Uh, after I hang up with you, I contact my my sister. Uh, they just moved to another place, so I was trying to figure out where their address is. After speaking to her husband, she uh, he told me not to come because they just received a phone call from CPS saying not to give my son to me and call the police if I tried to get my child back. Plus, the CPS worker is on her way at their place. I asked him what's happening. He said he doesn't know, and he was actually told by the CPS worker that me and my lawyer, that Attorney Davis, got nasty with the super, uh, CPS supervisor over the phone. Uh, he also told that me that the CPS uh, is taking my son to a foster home if I do not give my consent for my son to stay with him. At this time, I was thinking, because my son is using my sister and my mother, uh, saying that he's not safe to stay with me. So at this time, I decided that it's not good for him to stay at that environment. So I spoke to the social worker, and um, the CPS worker, and the CPS worker told me that they're taking my son to a foster home. Um, Attorney Davis um, advised me to ask the social worker of the if there's any court date, and the CPS worker just keeps saying that they're still trying to figure out where to put my son. He still has to file out the paperwork, and there's no court date. And I told this to Attorney Davis, and I got a call from the social worker again telling us that they finally put my son on a foster home. She gave us a foster home number so we can call. Uh, she won't be able to file the paperwork until next Monday, but to try to keep my Wednesday morning open because that's about the time that we're going to get our trial hearing or the first court date. So everything is just a, <laughs> a big mess. I was trying to figure out, and now I guess we're just on the waiting game right now. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, what county you live in in California? Uh, we live in San Diego County, uh, towards South Bay, so South Bay, San Diego area. You know what I found very interesting about your case is that uh, they have detained your son for several days. And they don't have a court order. They don't have a warrant. And in my opinion, they didn't have exigent circumstances. So in my opinion, they may have illegally detained your son, which is a um, civil rights violation. But notwithstanding that, your case is not uncommon. It seems as though one of the parents, in this case the mother, has been out of the picture for a very long time. 
she's come back into the picture and has been talking to your son, probably convincing him that he should come live with her. Now, you guys had a court case, I believe, a family law court case in San Diego, which I wasn't involved in, but you won yes, full custody of your child. Yes, and now this is a, this may be a way for the mother to try to change all of that by taking you or putting this case in the juvenile dependency court, having your son, who I believe is 14 years old, yes, sir. Make, alle- make allegations against you, but there's no physical evidence. Um, and I think this is just a situation where we are going to have to go to the juvenile court and to show the judge, you know, exactly what is happening and that you um, have done nothing to hurt your son and that this is basically the mother who who lives out of state, right? Yeah, uh, she, she currently lives in Virginia. Uh-huh. Yeah, an attempt by a mother out of state trying to get custody of the child. Now, I don't know if your relatives are working, it sounds like your relatives are working in conjunction with the mother. Um, I don't know if they know that your son is going, you know, that there's a chance that he could be sent back to Virginia, and I don't know how they feel about that. Um, But we'll see how that plays out next week in court when we go and see the judge for the first time at your detention hearing. I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Attorney Davis. Thank you. Oh, okay, I'm going to take another call right now. Um, area code 562, ending in 48. Good morning. Good You're morning. on with the third. Good morning. Who am, who, who am I speaking to? This is Daniel. How are you doing today, Mr. Davis? I'm doing fine, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, and I want to thank you for helping me get my daughter back. Uh, Monday is her birthday. She'll be two years old. She was born uh, February 22nd of 2014, and actually on March the 8th of 2014, she was taken away from me and set out for adoption. So I I didn't uh, know the rules and regulations. I wish I would have known you back then, but I did my homework and did what I had to to get her back in custody. I did a lot of mandates with the courts, and, you know, just the attorney that I had, I don't think that he knew the proper uh, information like yourself. This is something that DCSF, they're giants. You need a specialist like yourself to go in there and really set things up. After 13 months, she was at a caregiver. I was looking on your site and saw the Child Welfare Act, Section 309, said that the social worker is supposed to do their due diligence to to place the child with friendly family members. My mother and my sister both went and did live scan, did everything that was available for them to get my child into their custody until I could get through the courts. However, the social worker ignored this for over a year, However, I found this on your site. I downloaded the information. I went over and I handed it to him. Within five days, my daughter was moved out of a home in Silmar to my to my mother's home. By that time, I was getting five days overnights, actually six days and five overnights. So she was only with my mom one day a week. So I didn't know what was going on with everything as far as, you know, again, the, the laws and the rules and all that. Um, one question I had, and I'm not the offending parent, could I have filed the 388 petition to bring my daughter home in the very beginning of all this? Um, at the very beginning, probably not, but during the process, you could have filed that 388 petition. But why don't you tell our listeners how long it took you to get your child back? 24 months. It took 24 months, and at some point you're wondering, you're going along cooperating with everybody, and you don't know if they're taking advantage. Again, I'm just an individual. I don't know all the rules and regulations. I had finished all my mandates, and they kept throwing more mandates at me, and I said, that's fine, I'll do it. I made 178 visits to Silmar during traffic time, which is two hours one way for me to visit my daughter, and uh, it was... uh, 
quite a trying thing. Uh, I've learned a lot about it. I appreciate everything that you've done. Again, uh, you know, Monday's her birthday. She'll be two years old. She has been in my household basically for nine months now. I go to court on the 17th of June, and they're telling me they're going to close the case. So it's hard to trust them because they were going to close the case April 2015, and they have found excuse after excuse to continue the case. Everything has uh, calmed down a lot now. I'm a part of Project Fatherhood that immensely did help out with everything. So I'm just a dad trying to take care of my daughter. I had to constantly remind them it's not about me. This is about my daughter. And by the way, I have her in preschool without walls now. It's really helping her with her education. Well, Daniel, I'm so happy that you have your child. Um, How many months was it after you contacted us did we get your kid back to you? Oh, right away. Um, within three weeks, you got to write, write, you know, my next court date. They actually, after I had done all this, DCSF was not recommending reunification with my daughter and I. I have no idea why. You know, are you saying your stuff don't work that you asked me to do? Or you know what I mean? I'm not sure. However, I really appreciate it. Yeah, she came home right away. And if it wasn't for you guys, I don't know. I think the thing would have drug out longer, or I don't know if they would have what they would have done, because they're so unpredictable. They recommended my daughter coming home in April of 2015, and then they changed their mind by the time that I went to the last court date. If you guys weren't there, I don't know what would have happened. The whole thing got turned around, and she's home with me, and I really appreciate your help. Daniel, um, I appreciate you as a client. Why don't you tell our listeners, after the child was sent home with you, the social workers called you, and what did they tell you? They uh, are demanding, basically, that my daughter does visits with two grandmothers that are on the mom's side. The mother had gone to prison for four years, and so they're demanding my daughter do these visits with these grandmothers every Tuesday. So... Um, The two social workers, the social worker and his supervisor had called me and congratulated me for bringing my daughter home. They said, uh, you know, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. Everything looks real good. It seems like they're up and down with their statements. I was really happy about all that, you know, and uh, I had a grandmother on the other side, the ones that are shady, call in and uh, report child abuse with my daughter, who was with me at my mom's house, Christmas time, she said she was an eyewitness. She does not know my mom or my family. So they came out to do another investigation, and there was nothing wrong. Everything that the lady had claimed was false. And the lady saw that, the the social worker came out and saw that. So they closed that little thing. However, she did tell me this, we know what's going on here, because the grandmother was trying to get my daughter, and she didn't. I won in court. So what they're trying, they, what she actually told me is herself or another guy named Manuel, um, if this lady calls back again, every time they have to come in and investigate. And I said, that's fine with me. I don't care. You come into my house anytime. I have nothing to hide. It's kind of a nuisance. That has not happened. But just knowing that they could do it again. And there's no, um, nobody's doing anything about this lady calling and making false reports. And I do know that it's her because she mentioned her other two kids were at the scene, which they were not. They don't go to my family's house. In uh, July 8th of 2014, she tried to file with Judge Richards saying a bunch of false allegations, figuring she thinks if she makes me look bad, the court's going to hand my daughter over to her. And the the judge said, I'm for the parents. So what happened is um, they went ahead and denied that. So she's come up with all kinds of little stuff. Fortunately, I ignore it, and I just know, you know, things are going to work out in my favor. I'm just trying to make sure my daughter has a good childhood. But it's just unnerving to have that kind of stuff going on in your life. And DCSF, they listen. Someone's got to report, they listen. 
So anyway, that's where I am right now. I don't want to be negative. Everything's going real good. And I, I thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you, Mr. Davis, and so is my daughter. We're happy over here. Well, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate you as a client, and thank you for calling in today. Have a good day, sir. Thanks for your help. All right. I want to right now bring on the show an attorney that works with me. Her name is Attorney Jackie Jacqueline Abadala. Jackie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for calling in this morning. Of course. Jackie, I wanted you to uh, talk to us this morning about uh, visitation when there is a juvenile dependency case. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. So when they um, they open a juvenile dependency case and and if the child is detained, the court's supposed to order visitation. According to WIC, uh, which is Welfare Institutions Code, Section 362.1, it says that visitation between the parent and the child shall be as frequent as possible, consistent with the well-being of the child. So in L.A., in L.A. County, the courts there, they usually do a minimal visitation of three times a week for three hours each, each time. Um, in other counties, though, it's like two times a week for an hour each time. I don't really know how that complies with this statute because it says it should be as frequent as possible, which I assume is more than two or three times a week. But um, so that's what they do. Sometimes, though, if it's the court can order no visitation between a parent and a child, um, but the court has to make a detriment finding, and that's a pretty high burden. Uh, it usually takes um, a child therapist or a psychologist saying that the visits would be very harmful to a child. And you know, sometimes, okay. go ahead. A lot of times <clears throat> when we represent parents, we go to the first hearing, and in some counties, uh, the judge says minimum of one time per week for one hour. Yes. Or a, a minimum of two times a week for, uh, you know, one hour each. Or a minimum of three times per week, <clears throat> excuse me, for, you know, one to two hours. Some judges are a little bit more liberal, and they give more visitation. Yes. But it always kind of rubs me the wrong way. Because the cases and the statutes that I've read about visitation say that the visitation should be as frequent as possible, or some words to that effect. Yeah. And when I when I ask judges to make a visitation order, for example, every day, mm-hmm. they usually are inclined not to do it, mm-hmm. and they. I feel like they're getting around the spirit of the law by ordering, you know, a minimum of twice a week. And then that seems to imply that the visitation can be more than twice a week. But time after time when we leave court and we my clients and our clients talk to the social worker, the social worker limits the visitation to the two or three times a week or the one time per week. And it just seems so unfair for not only the parents, but for the child as well. Imagine being taken out of your home, away from your parents, placed in a foster home sometimes, and not being able to see your parents. That must be a a devastating thing. And, And I don't see how... I don't see how the court system, you know, when they order a minimum of once per week and the social worker complies with just once, one time per week because now she's theoretically um, theoretically complying with the court order, but that's not doing the child any good. You know, yeah. Jackie, a long time ago when I first started doing juvenile dependency cases in the late 80s, Visitation was never a problem. 
I mean, there was always mm-hmm. visitation, um, and, you know, and it was frequent and, and you know, it was uh, me, three, four, five times a week, and especially when the child was with a friendly relative. And, you know, mm-hmm. the visitation could go on for several hours. And then things began to change because the social workers became more uh, responsible for providing that, that monitor sometimes that uh, – comes out of the county budget or they have to go down to the office to have visitation and there's not enough, you know, people and not enough rooms to have visitation all day, every day for all of the cases that they have. And so you get these orders, uh, you know, visitation minimum one time per uh, week with one hour. Um, I hear, especially for some reason, I hear that, that order a lot out of Riverside County, um, and uh, I'm thinking of one particular court in uh, in Riverside County where I, I get that one one week, minimum one week, one time per week and one hour per week, and it's just, you know, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Is there anything parents or attorneys or relatives can do to get increased visitation with their child? Of course, um, yes. Um, usually, sometimes the, the the county, the reason why they limit it, as we said, is because they have a limited amount of monitors. So I tell my um, clients to have relatives be assessed as monitors. And then um, that could increase their visits. Um, in one case, it was in L.A., they had a three times a week for three hours. But my client was only getting one time a week for three hours because of the limit in um, the, their <clears throat> their ability to provide monitors. So eventually I emailed her, the social worker's attorney and said, hey, look, the minimum order was one time, three times a week for three hours. And then apparently after that, she started getting one time a week for nine hours. So they still met the minimum. So it's little stuff like that that could be very helpful um, sometimes clients should contact their attorneys to try to push that because the social workers may not be inclined to assess family relatives as monitors or, yeah, assess relatives and family friends as monitors. And you just have to push them by contacting their attorneys. You know, while you were talking, I just thought of something that I hadn't thought about a couple of years, another attorney that works with us, attorney Stephanie Davis, um, mm-hmm. wrote a motion, and she and we have actually have a template that you can okay. file a motion for extended visitation in terms of frequency per week and in terms of duration, how long each visit is going to last. You know, I'm when we go back to um, the office on Monday, I am going to call Stephanie or email her perhaps this weekend. And ask her to send me a copy, uh, a template of the of that motion. And what I'd like mm-hmm. to do is I'd like to share it with our listeners by posting it at um, uh, talkradioexperts.com, where they can download that motion. We w- we will of course have to uh, redact uh, the names and the case number and the child's name, the parent's name, and all that kind of stuff. But at least it's a template that uh, our listeners can read and share with uh, their attorney to see if it's appropriate to be filed in their case. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Jackie, thank you for calling in today and sharing us with with some tips about visitation in the juvenile dependency process. I'm going to take some calls. I'm going to take some calls right now, kind of backing up on this board. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, I'm going to take another call right now. Um, It's area code 310. Uh Uh-oh, my correction. Uh, That's not the next call in line. The next call in line is area code 713, and the number ends in 88. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Get your kids back now. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Jessica. How are you doing, Attorney Davis? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing good. I had a question in the story. 
in regards to my situation. Go ahead. Okay, so um, my daughter was taken at six months last year in February 2015, and uh, I was ordered visitations twice a week for two hours. I got my daughter back in October of 2015, and currently right now I have her in my care, but she's still under the court. And I have a court date coming on this Tuesday, the 23rd. But um, my question is, is um, the social worker said she would provide a packet to the court to have the case closed early because it was supposed to be closed, case work supposed to be closed in April. But um, she put it in twice. The first time I assumed it wasn't closed because of the holidays. It was around Christmas time. And she put it in again for January, and she called me just last week and told me that it was uh, rejected by the court, I guess by the judge, and now I have a court date on the 23rd. But I don't know what to expect, and I tried contacting my attorney. He's never available because I guess he's always in the the courts. And I just wanted to know, like, would you possibly know how I can go about getting this um, expedited, getting it closed out, or you know, the social worker informed me as well. She said, we're going to probably have a visitation from the child's lawyer. She goes, I've also heard from my coworkers as well that this day you can your case can be closed. But I, I told her I will not get my hopes up because I've had multiple times where they tell me one thing and it's another. Okay. So I can answer that question. It's fairly easy and straightforward. Um, the implementation may be a little difficult, but um, it's a straightforward concept. Are you in California? Yes, sir. Um, I'm in the military, so I'm currently for Irwin. Um, my everything that's going on is through San Bernardino County. And I have no okay. family here, so I had to, you know, kind of do it on my own because I try to get it I try to do ICPC or whatever it's called with my mother, but she currently resides in Houston, Texas. So they told me that that was um actually delay the process and make it longer. Okay. So I so had to kind of do the counseling and the family care plan. Okay, let me tell you what you should do, okay? You should try to speak to your attorney and meet with your attorney before the court hearing. Okay. Uh, the best thing is you called him and, and he's not responding, send him an email. Um, and uh, he, I'm, I'm sure he will respond to you. Now, you're going to be having what's called a six-month review date uh, on Tuesday. And at that time, the social worker will be making recommendations in writing in a report. The recommendation will say continue for another six months or to terminate the case. They call it JT, the case, jurisdiction terminated. If the the recommendation um, by the social worker is one you do not like, you have the right to set it for what's called a contested hearing. Please write that down. A contested hearing to prove to the judge that the case should be closed. Now, on the flip side, the other attorneys, father's attorney if he's involved, or the children's attorney, all right, have the right to also contest a recommendation by the social worker. So in the worst case scenario, if the social worker said, hey, I want the case closed, and the minor's attorney says, I don't want the case closed, then that minor's attorney has the right to set it for a trial. So what I'm telling Mm -hmm. you is if they don't recommend this case to be closed, you have the right, the statutory and constitutional right to have a trial. And to bring in witnesses to prove why your case should be closed. Um, You know, a lot of people tell me, well, I wanted to have a trial, but my attorney talked me out of it. Um, You know, I'm not saying don't follow your attorney's advice, but, you know, I'm just telling you what rights you have. So make sure that you talk to your attorney before you go to court. Let me ask you this. If your case is in San Bernardino County, do you know who your judge is? Actually, I do not. I don't know. I what, think I had to remember the name, but I forgot it. What what department are you in? What court? Yeah, what department? In San Bernardino County, when you walk down that hallway, there are 
There's Department 4, Department 5, Department 6, Department 7. I'm not tracking that, sir. I'm sorry? I'm not tracking, like, uh, what department it is. Okay. So I hope um, I answered that question for you and what you can do. Make sure you get your advice from your attorney and make sure that you talk to your attorney about having a trial if the case is not going to be closed. If the case is going to remain open and you want your child placed with your mother in Texas, there's something called an um, a, uh, expedited ICPC, uh, which can be completed in 30 days. Um, but I am on the opinion from the strict reading of the Interstate Compact for the Placement of Children, which is found in the California Family Code, that in your situation, if you wanted to send the child back to Texas, um, ICPC wouldn't even apply. So yes. you could just well, do at it. The now, time, now, at the time, I wanted her to have her ICPC done because they were putting her in a foster home. But the social worker I had previously had informed me that it would take too long, it would slow down the process, it would make the process longer, and you wouldn't be able to get it back. Now, I don't know the exact facts of your case, but generally what the social worker told you is not true. No, I know. So now you should talk to your attorney if the case is going to be left open about possibly sending your child back to Texas because I don't think the ICPC even applies um, when a parent sends a child out of state. Or if it does apply and the, and the judge in your case says that it does apply, you can ask for an expedited ICPC. Mm-hmm. Ma'am, I want, to thank, I want to thank you for calling and sharing your question and your story. Uh, please listen to us next week and get your kids back now. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to try to take a couple more calls. We're running out of time. Um, the next caller is area code 33, excuse me, Area code three three seven, ending in six three. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Mr. Davis. Good morning, Mr. Davis. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Did you call in today to ask us a question or share a story? Uh, I'm sharing a story, sir. Okay, go ahead. I'm a combat veteran. I have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I'm basically calling and letting everybody know that can hear this, that there is a way that you can get your children back. Um, I have been going through all the therapy since I've been diagnosed, been medication compliant. Um, I have had no flashbacks or anger issues or anything since 2003 when I was in Iraq. Um, but going through a divorce with my wife, she claimed custody of my child and recently I live in Louisiana and recently I had been called by Child Protective Services here in California that my wife was involved in a DWI and they were doing an investigation. Later on they called and said they finished their investigation. They were going to remove the child from my wife's custody and they had me fly over here to take custody of our our child. Um, I'm just calling to thank the Child Protective Services for helping my daughter, for keeping her safe. I wish to thank the officers who arrested my wife during the DUI and didn't allow her to continue to drive with my daughter in the car. Um, I want to thank even my attorneys here, you yourself and your fellow workers for getting my daughter back to me through all the other attorneys from my wife. I mean, they're trying to drag it on and on and on, but the evidence is clear. I have a judge in Louisiana that agrees the child should be in my custody. The judge here in California agrees the child should be in my custody. My child's attorney, my the social worker in the court, all agree the child should be in my custody. Um, and... Now, apparently, we're going up against her lawyer saying she's going to go to a higher court. But I'm not worried about it because I have 
good representation. I have all my paperwork in order. It's all dated, signed, and I'm just sitting here waiting to end it all. But even if we have problems like PTSD or other things like that, we can still work it out if we have the right information. And I just want to thank you guys for all, all of you guys, for taking care of my daughter and her best interests. interests. And that's really what I want to say this morning. Well, thank you for calling and sharing that with us. Uh, thank you. I, I don't think I've ever told you this before, but thank you for serving uh, this thank country you. in the armed services. In the armed services. Um, just to let our listeners know, um, uh, you are in the middle of a big custody fight in the juvenile court. Um, your wife and her family are trying everything possible to, or well, they were trying to keep the child away from you. We fixed that and got you the child released just this past week. And now they're trying to prevent you and the child from moving back home, going back to Louisiana. Um, you're just here temporarily. You came out here to try to get your daughter. Now that you have her, um, you're going back home where you have a home and a job. And, um, and the mother and her attorneys and her family are trying to stop you from doing that. So the battle's not over. I do see the light. I, I do see you hopefully going back home to Louisiana within the next week and um, where you can move on with your life and with your child's life. So, again, thank you for calling in. No, sir. Thank you very much. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. Yes, that was a, that's a very interesting case. Um, a lot of issues, legal issues, uh, that, it, that came up in that case. And uh, one of the issues was whether California had jurisdiction or Louisiana had jurisdiction. Um, and those are special, you know, big legal arguments. But uh, in this case, you know, in the end, it really didn't matter because both judges thought the child should be with the father. All right, I'm going to take a, try to take one more call, area code 310, ending in 4-0. Good morning. You're on with Vincent Davis. Get your kids back now. Hi, Mr. Davis. Hi, how are you? Okay, pretty good, thank you. How about you? Good. Did you call in to uh, share a story or ask a question? Share a story. Go right ahead. Um, well, back in September, September the 4th, a very close girlfriend of mine's children um, were pretty close to that date, taken away from her, two little boys. She was living uh, at a hotel, a very first-class hotel provided by her father. Um, and out of the blue, the uh, Department of Children and Family Services showed up uh, with no court order, uh, no uh, search warrant, nothing, and demanded to see her children. Um, things escalated from there. I'm not sure why she let them in the room or to talk to her or either one. But in any event, um, things seemed to escalate very quickly from there. And uh, the very the, they had opened a case, Department of Children and Family Services. They asked her to do a drug test, and um, one or two days later, and unfortunately that drug test was not clean for her. Um, however, I should note that it was her only dirty drug test since 2009, and this is 2015, so six years. But also during that time, her case was closed with DCFS, but back in, two, since in 2009, of course, all her tests were clean. So in any event, then uh, she asked me to be a monitor for her when the time came to select monitors or to ask the DCFS to approve monitors. And I went and had the live scan and an interview with the uh, Department of Children and Family Services social worker. And um, from day one um, during that meeting, I must say one of the things I found so compelling 
about this social worker was she never asked me anything about my relationship with the children, meaning how well do I know the children, what did I what interactions and activities did I do with the children, volunteering at their uh school for the first grade uh for the one little boy who was seven years old. Uh, weekly, several times a week, picking them up at school, taking them to parks, uh, McDonald's, movies, um, ice cream parlors, pretty much all over the city without their mother or their father, who are both friends of mine, incidentally. None of those questions were ever asked. Uh, how long I knew the children, nothing. How how well I knew her parents, the grandparents, nothing, absolutely nothing. But during that um, meeting, for some reason, she had heard a false rumor about me supposedly having had an affair with the father some many years ago. Uh, Of course, I asked who told her this, and she said, oh, she couldn't tell me that. Um, I, of course, informed her that that was inaccurate information, that I live with a well-known film producer for um, over 15 years. And... um, um, that I was really not there to talk about these kinds of ridiculous uh, allegations, but really rather to talk about the mother, who is a fantastic mother and a good friend of mine, or she was a good friend of mine. And then um, a, a day or two later, she called to tell me that I was approved. Um, uh, but when she approved me, by the way, she made a comment I found to be very inappropriate that um, she approved me, uh, but she could only approve me because I I didn't have this affair with the father. So I think what's really um, appalling is that the Department of Children and Family Services would waste the world's time and California residents um, asking such questions of monitors and friends of the mother and the father and who... Uh, interrogate people without any evidence or any uh, investigation, just hearsay and uh, false premises. And it it, it shocks shocking to me that they have the right to ask ridiculous questions, to make these accusations. Um, and then during that same meeting, she went on to tell, ask me in a very kind of um, ruthless manner, without any ethics whatsoever. Uh, do I have any children? And I said, no, I don't. Uh, and I said, why do you ask? She said, because if you do, uh, you you do not want you do not want uh, a Department of Children and Family Services case opened against you. So that was a threat, uh, which I did not appreciate at all, and I felt very uncomfortable with. And when I got home, I started crying. I told my boyfriend I just couldn't believe the overall character or lack thereof of this social worker and how overreaching and um, unethical she is to this day. So eventually um, things uh, were okay. Um, It was very difficult for the children, uh, especially the older boy was in the backseat of my car crying, uh, wanting to be with his mother and his father and um, questioning why he wasn't. So, of course, I, like a good friend uh, would do, was trying to help the mother when certain things would come up with DCFS uh, weekly, where they were withholding test results from her, not calling her back, um, doing whatever they do, um, being uncooperative is the way I see it. And um, so at one point, a drug dependency lawyer, I mean, pardon me, a drug dependency investigator um I was told from the mother, was exaggerating her one dirty drug test September the 4th uh, and trying to build a case against her. Can I interrupt you for a second? Of course. You know, I I apologize, but this show, unfortunately, is going to go off the air in about 45 seconds. Would you do me a favor? And call in next week so that we can can continue with your story because I really want to hear about it. Okay. I'm happy to do that. Please call in. And I have your number here, so I'll I'll take you as one of the first callers um, next week, okay? Not a problem. Thank you. Okay. So, 
So we're running out of time, and in the last few minutes, I want to tell you, uh, please join us next week at 8 a.m. on talk radio. Uh, We will be talking about getting your kids back now. Thank you for listening today, and we'll see you on the radio next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.